0: Welcome to the X-29 Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Metters. Ministry is hard, and ministry wives need encouragement. They need friends, other women that are a little further into the journey to remind them that this life of sacrifices is worth it because Jesus is worth it. And in her latest book, Help, I'm Married to My Pastor, encouragement for ministry wives and those who love them. Janie Ortland is that friend. Janie joins me on the podcast to discuss ministry and marriage. Janie has been married to Ray Ortland for almost 50 years. She's a mother, a grandmother, a former elementary school teacher, a writer, a conference speaker, and she serves as the executive vice president of Renewal Ministries. Well, Janie, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. I'm really glad to be here with you and your listeners.
0: Oh, thank you. It's so good to have you. It's a great honor to have you serve our our Acts 29 church planters and, and their wives mm-hmm. here on this podcast. And we also have a great global audience too. Um, you know, As you know, Acts 29, we're a diverse global church planting network. And so we have brothers and sisters in, in the middle of Africa, in Southern Africa, in Europe, in Asia, in South America, in Australia, in Japan. I mean, we have We have listeners all around the world. So for people out there who maybe don't know you, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Well, my biggest claim to fame, as you said, is I'm married to Ray Ortland, and we're headed into our, we're in our 50th year of marriage right now. So grateful for that. The marriage, the Lord has given us our life together. Uh, We have four grown kids, all married, producing the most wonderful little grandchildren. We have 15 now. So Wow. I love keeping up with them. What would your listeners like to know about me? In my next life, I would like to be an English show jumping champion. Wow. I love horses or a concert pianist. If I had to choose one of the other, I'd probably go with the horse rather than the piano.
0: You know, I've ridden a horse twice in my life.
1: Oh, you poor man. That's That's all?
0: And the first time, it was a near-death experience. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're we're at this camp, a family camp with uh, in South Carolina here in the United States, and they said, "Who's the who's a never ridden horse before?" I said, "Yeah, I haven't." And we're taking a little breakfast trail ride. I said, "Okay, we're gonna give you Ace, it's the oldest horse we have. He's nice and easy." They must have gave Ace some coffee. I mean, he took off sprinting, <laughs> almost threw me in the lake. Oh no! It was it was an ordeal. And so I think I'm done with horses. I don't, well, I don't,
1: know. I don't blame you. If that had been my experience, I would have been done with them as well, but it hasn't. I've loved writing,
0: yeah no knowing you guys and being able to spend some time with you i I think people would just be so interested interested to know in in your fifty years what what are you and Ray likely doing on a Friday night? What's your favorite kind of dates?
1: Oh my, well, this is going to sound really boring. Our favorite kind of date is to be able to be home together alone and we'll have a quiet evening go to bed early and just see what happens and enjoy each other and a good night's sleep So that is our favorite date. Isn't that crazy? I think, Jeff, it's because, especially before COVID, but even now sometimes we're out quite a bit and we we travel quite a bit. And of course, with our four children living all over, overseas and all over the United States, we travel to see them. So it's really a a luxury and very romantic to be at home in our, our own snug little bed.
0: Well, Janie, we wanted to bring you on the show uh, to talk about your brand new book, help, and I and I almost wanted to read it like help because it does have an exclamation mark and in, in, in the title, help. I'm married to my pastor, which I think is a, a marvelous title. Your your new book gives and offers encouragement to ministry wives, and really this is a particularly helpful topic to X29 right now and to our church planting wives because X29 is launching a new initiative this year to really care for the women in our network, and so I just wanted to ask you. You know of what you've seen in ministry over the years and what, what made you want to write on this topic?
1: Hmm. Well, one thing is all the ministry wives who have said to me, help, help. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to be a wife married to her pastor. And I wanted younger pastor wives, those who are coming behind Ray and me, To have a friend, to have someone who's been a little bit farther down the road, who's just kind of looking over her shoulder and saying, it's okay up here, you know, hang on, it's worth it. So I wanted to share some of our experiences, but most of all, I wanted them to know that it's really worth it. That serving the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind is worth it. He is no man's debtor. He tells us in Hebrews 10 that he remembers the work that we've done. Mm. And I wanted our young wives to know that. I wanted them to feel like they had a friend. And, you know, Jeff, a book is a perfect friend.
0: Right.
1: It, it sits on the shelf until you need a visit. And then when you need a visit, you can take it off and visit as long as you have time for it and then put it back. Uh, so that's why I wrote it.
0: When you think about, you know, having that friend that, having that friend that is in front of you, that's looking behind you saying, it's worth it. Come on. Who is someone that you would look at and say, that woman really encouraged me and my marriage and and Ray and I encouraged our ministry. And how did they lift you up and and keep you going over the years?
1: Mm -hmm. I'll be forever grateful for two women in my life that did this for me, Jeff. One is my mother-in-law. Not every pastor's wife has beautiful, free, fun, loving relationship with her mother-in-law. But fortunately, I did. Ann Ortland was my mom-in-law. She's in heaven now. And Ray's dad was a pastor. So my mom-in-law, got it. She understood what it was like to be a pastor's wife. And she encouraged me most through the word. She knew the word very well. She taught me the word, even though we weren't close. When I would ask her for advice, she always had scripture to Mm. speak into it. And that spoke so much more loudly than anything else ever could. So i I I love my mother-in-law, I'm so grateful for her. In fact, do we have time for a little story? One time, Ray and I were going through a really hard time with the church, and I was scared. I was scared that Ray was going to lose his ministry. And what would we do? And Mom Ortland was visiting with me and I was crying with her. And, you know, she listened for a while. She listened to my fears, my tears. She sympathized with me. And then as I just kept blethering on and on, what am I going to do? What's Ray going to do? She finally said, "Janny, stop it. (laughs) And she just (laughs) told me, stop it. You're just being filled with fear. Do you know, Jeff, this is what she said. I don't I haven't checked it out, but because mom said it, I believe it. She said, Do you know that there are more than three hundred and sixty-five fear knots in the Bible? That's one for every day. Mm. So take your one for today and stop fearing. You could be near sinning towards the Lord with his fear. Wow. Well, that it may sound harsh, but Jeff, you know, it's what I needed. Right. And I thank the Lord for Ma Mortland. Another woman who has helped me, she's still living, is a pastor's wife named Carolyn Roper. She and her husband, David, have ministered for years. They now minister through Idaho Mountain Ministries, and they were the first pastor and wife under whom Ray and I served. Okay. Ka- Carolyn took me under her wing. Oh, she taught me so much. She taught me how to lead a Bible study. She invited me into hers and then gave me opportunity at times she taught me how to economize we weren't making much money she helped me make homemade christmas decorations for our very first christmas tree as a married couple she took me grocery shopping with her and taught me how to pick the best oranges out i still think of carolyn when i look for those smooth skinned oranges um and she still cares for me i still can email her and ask for advice, and she sends back godly counsel. I'm so grateful for them.
0: Yeah, what a gift.
1: Yeah, yeah. I really encourage our younger pastor wives to ask the Lord for an older lady to whom they can look, to whom they can ask questions. That's one of the reasons I wrote this book.
0: Mm. You know, it kind of makes me think I've mentioned this, this passage in one of the other episodes, but there's a part, it might be in Romans. I can't remember. I think it's at the end when Paul is listing all the names of people who have served and have just been a blessing to him. And then he mentions one brother and he says, and then him and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Oh, like, we
1: we all need a mother. Yes. don't we? Not just our biological mother, much as we love them and are grateful for them, but a spiritual mother as well, a woman who gives of herself in a motherly way, caring, sympathizing, disciplining as necessary, cheering on, yeah. sharing.
0: Absolutely. And and you guys, you and Ray are both spiritual mothers and a spiritual mom and spiritual dad to, to so many people. And as you probably know, I, I told Ray on, on the phone, one of our first conversations on the phone, I told him, I said, Ray, I'm just going to make you adopt me as your spiritual son. I'm, I'm going to sit on y'all's porch until you let me in. <laughs> it's happening." And oh. he begrudgingly, I think, said, okay, fine. fine Not fine,
1: fine. begrudgingly. We love and respect you and Natalie. We, we just want to cheer you on. We love how the Lord is using you
0: both you guys have been such a blessing to us and to, and to so many people and so I, that's why I'm so glad that you've written this book to just extend your your wisdom and your ministry to, to even more to more women that, that are in ministry and, and need a voice like you um but let's flip it now and think about from from the males side from the pastor side what's what's something you would like the the pastors and the planters the brothers in Acts 29 to know about their wife as it relates to ministry and church planting that maybe they're not aware of
1: Hmm. hmm, that's a good question. I think one thing I would say uh, to a pastor, especially a church planter, regarding his wife is that you are the only pastor she has. <laughs> um, other wives have you as a pastor and their own husband if their husband is in the Lord. So, Care for your wife as a husband and as a pastor. She's one of your flock. She needs pastoral care as much as husbandly care. How is she doing spiritually? What's hard for her in her marriage, in her life, in her heart, in her soul, intellectually, what's difficult, what's challenging her? In my book, Jeff, uh, at the end of each chapter, I write a very short letter to the pastor. And I encourage the wives, get your husbands to read these. Offer him rewards, whatever it takes. (laughs) Get your husband to read these. And it has a few questions that a pastor can ask his wife about that particular topic, whether it's depression, or the children, or the finances, or the goodbyes, or the slander, or, or whatever the difficulty is that she might be dealing with right then. So I would encourage young pastors, especially church planters, to care for their wives and try to keep the communication lines open. I mean, I know these young guys are doing so much, they're caring for so many. Yeah. But who cares who you're caring for outside your family? If your wife is hurting, take her in, love her tenderly, love her carefully, and she will be your best ally.
0: That's so good. That's so helpful. I I wonder if there's anything that you've seen over the years or that maybe that Ray has done for you, or you've seen it from other pastor friends that that try to kind of preserve any kind of normalcy for the ministry wife. Like for an example, I, I remember early on in, in our ministry, you know, I would tell Nally about my sermon and say, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. I think I'm gonna do these points. I'm going to try to connect these verses here. And I would do that for a while. Then eventually she said, I really don't want to hear this anymore. You know, and she said it really lovingly. And, you know, I, I could receive that. She said, Jeff, I, I want to try to be a normal church person on Sunday morning. I would love to try to hear the sermon and receive it just like all the other members are. Could Could I have this one aspect of normalcy? And I said, absolutely, it's, it's yours. Is there anything like that that you've seen over the years or anything that Ray's done or you've seen in others?
1: Oh, Jeff, I love that Natalie was able to tell you that and you were able to receive it. Oh, that's amazing. I wish I had been more like that in earlier years. I guess the most important thing uh, that Ray has helped me with is my fix him fever is what I call it. I don't know about Natalie, but as a pastor's wife, I took on more responsibility for the success of Ray's ministry than I ought to. I felt if someone came to me with a suggestion for Ray, it would be good for me to tell Ray because then Mm -hmm. that person would be happy. And I did this for years and Ray just absorbed it and, you know, tried to listen and Didn't fuss at me. He was just so understanding and patient and compassionate, and I was just being stupid. I remember one Sunday night, Jeff. We were um, ministering at a a large Southern church where we had morning and evening services. Ray Ray would preach two times in the morning, and then. Oftentimes, Sunday night, he would be the preacher as well. Sometimes we'd have another preacher, but he'd have a different sermon Sunday night. This was one particular Sunday evening when he had preached in the morning and in the evening. And after the service, we'd usually get together. We'd you know be getting ready for bed, and he'd say, How do you think it went today, honey? And I'd be telling him. And this particular Sunday, a couple of women had come up to me and offered... Oh, some very helpful suggestions like how to pronounce a missionary's name or which, I remember this one, which side of his suit coat oh, no. he should wear his lapel pin on. Oh, boy. Uh, Very important. And yet, (laughs) I knew these women meant well, and they would start with very loving comments. Oh, we just love Ray so much. We know how busy is. We don't want to bother him. Could you please just tell them that at our church, we do it this way? And so, of course, with my fix him fever raging. (laughs) I started telling Ray that night, a couple of these suggestions. And I remember eventually he came, I was chattering away. He came and just took my face very gently and turned it towards his and got me to stop talking long enough to say, honey, I need to tell you something. You need to know something about me. And it's similar to most men on planet earth. I just need one person on this whole earth who thinks I'm okay, who's not trying to change me, who's just kind of happy mm. with me the way I am, who, who even likes me the way I am. I wonder, Jannie, would you be willing to be that person for me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jeff, I never saw it so clearly. Boy, mm. howdy, I wanted to be that person. I didn't want anybody else signing up for that job. I wanted to be the one person on the face of the earth who liked Ray. It yeah. wasn't always trying to fix him. Pastors live in a crisis vocation. Think of all the crises they deal with. And one of the crises is people trying to change them. Yeah. I didn't want to add to that crisis in Ray's life. So the, the most important thing that Ray has taught me, and I wish I had learned it earlier. I was in my, I was nearly 50 before I learned this, was that he needed me to be honest, team. Let other people fix him. I can always give that wonderful lady, his assistance phone number and say, oh, it'd be so much better if Ray heard that from you here. Call mm. Mrs. Smith and set up an appointment with Ray.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to feel the pressure or the responsibility to be the messenger for, for all those kinds of things.
1: That's right.
0: Well, you know, this kind of connects to, to the next question that I, that I have in mind is, so what's something um, from the book that that you discussed, that you wish someone had had told you earlier in your marriage and in in Yale's ministry life.
1: Hmm. Well, that for sure is one of them. I I wish, although Ma Mortland was really good with this, she she helped me with this early on. I I wish though that I had heard it even earlier. That my number one priority is not Ray, and it's not our ministry, and it's not our children. My first priority is Jesus Christ alone. The first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me, Exodus 20, verse 2. That means that I can't put Ray before God, I I can't put the ministry before God, I can't put my children before God. So, I needed to learn how to develop my own relationship with my Heavenly Father. And the best way to do that was through daily time with Him, meeting with Him, talking to Him, spending time in His Word day by day. I cannot emphasize how important that is. And I wish someone had told me, don't wait for the feelings. Don't come to God trying to get feelings between the two of you. All. Although God is uh, massively full of feelings, and obviously we know He cares for us, He loves us, all of that. But I would go to the Word and kind of expect all these warm fuzzies. Right? I I don't I don't think that's right, Jeff. It really helped uh, when Mom helped me to see that the Lord rewards those who seek Him. And He doesn't always reward them with warm feelings, but He is the rewarder. Hebrews, is it 11.6? He rewards those who seek Him. And through the years, now that I'm in my 70s, looking back, I'm so grateful for all those times I was with the Lord, I put Him first in the morning, even though I didn't have warm fuzzies every time. He's rewarded me with that through the mm. years. I've gotten to know him and his word better. He's sustained me. He's protected me. He's disciplined me. He's loved me. He's cared for me. He's rewarded me. Yeah. I think that's what I would want to say. I wish someone had told me that way early on from day mm. one.
0: Yeah, that's that's really helpful, you know. And I think about our, our X twenty-nine family. And you know, usually church planner is gonna be in the younger side and they may have younger kids or they may have kids in all different brackets but moms and dads are busy church planners are busy with their family they're they're busy with their church and what would you say to the ministry wife who you know they want to keep walking with Christ faithfully and they do want to serve their church but maybe they're not particularly gifted to lead the women's ministry and they don't have a sense of call to to do that or or a a burden to to want to do that where maybe at their last church that was what the senior pastors or lead pastors wife did um what what would you say to that woman who kind of feels like not an identity crisis but maybe a ministry identity crisis like where should i serve what what should i do if i don't feel like it's that thing
1: mm-hmm. i think i would say never doubt that the lord made you for this particular man and this particular ministry. And he has given you exactly what you need for what he wants you to do. I think of First uh, Thessalonians five twenty four. 24, faithful is he who calls you, who will also do it. So it's perfect if you're not exactly like the last pastor's wife, no matter what the people's expectations are be yourself. That will be a wonderful example for other women in the church who are trying to think, oh no, to be a good Christian woman, do I have to be able to teach the Bible? Or do I have to be able to lead the children's ministry? Or We all play the comparison game yeah, because we want to see visually played out before us what our lives should look like. And what does Paul say? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. He is the one we're to imitate. And so we find who Christ is to us as individuals, how he's speaking to us as individuals, and then I imitate Christ in that way. My imitation of him will look different from the pastor's wife who comes after me, That's right. or the pastor's wife who is serving alongside me in a different type of ministry. Hallelujah! That's how it all works. You know, we can't all be hands or feet or eyes or ears. We have to adapt to the different parts of the body.
0: You mentioned in the book about many different pastoral pressures, and and that sometimes they can create a, a tension in in, in the marriage. So what advice would you share for ministry wives who are feeling overwhelmed or are burdened or maybe frustrated just that there's some tension in their marriage because of, of the ministry?
1: Mm, mm, that's a good question. Huh. Don't let those tensions win. Fight against them. Stand firm. I, I love in Exodus how the Lord says, you know, just stand firm. I will fight for you. you need only to be silent where is that jeff exodus 14
0: sure why not
1: (laughs) i i love that because what the lord is saying is yeah you're feeling a lot of tension you stand there stand there don't give way to it and watch and see what i will do i just want to dare those young pastor wives to stand firm in the lord not let satan win ask ask the lord what do I do with this tension? Is this from you, Lord, or is, is this from my enemy? If this is from you, sink it deep into my heart and give me scripture to deal with it. But if it's from Satan, I'm going to tell him to get behind me, and I'm going to stand firm and watch you work. I, I think with those tensions too, Jeff, they're not, I, I found in my own marriage, they're not always spiritual. Some of them are just Physical. Because being in ministry takes a lot physically. I don't know about you and Natalie, but Ray, he works six days a week. He still does at 71. He works most Saturdays yeah. and then usually helps on Sundays. So I would encourage everyone to make sure they're taking a Sabbath rest. We, we try to take Mondays off because sometimes that tension isn't even a spiritual issue. It's just Plain fatigue.
0: Yeah. You need a nap.
1: Yeah. You need a nap. Well, or I need chocolate, but (laughs) it's much better than sleep for (laughs) Janny.
0: need some 70% dark chocolate. You You got it. I do like
1: dark 70%. You even know the percentage. Oh, yeah. Chef, you're my man. This is great.
0: nally has got me trained up for the kind of chocolate she likes, too.
1: You better talk to Ray here. So I think that one spiritually, two physically... And then just practically again ask the lord for either an older woman or another pastor's wife especially in our network there are many pastors wives maybe there's another wife you could just call every other sunday afternoon and check in with and you can talk through some heartaches or Share a prayer request or encouragement or a Bible verse that's been helpful to you or a question you have. You could just share every once in a while. It doesn't have to be forever. Maybe you could set up, it up for six months or a year. Hey, can we check in once a month for the next six months? So I guess in my own life, I seek to relieve that tension either spiritually or physically or relationally.
0: Yeah. I love that, and I, I want to encourage the the ladies that are listening. If you are a, a planter's wife, a pastor's wife in X twenty nine, we are launching our our women's support initiative that Kirsten Black is leading, and to really encourage you to engage with that, um, to not ignore those emails, to not ignore those those calls to come and be involved. Um, and if maybe you're not able because of scheduling or time or responsibilities to do, you know, create some kind of organic. Connection with another pastor's wife in your city. Uh, don't don't wait for someone to reach out to you. Um, you know sometimes that happens, and I, there's all kinds of reasons for why we wait and, and all that. But I would encourage you, as 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 Janie's saying, to to pray and, and to seek that relationship um, and ask ask God to to really give that and, and bring that to you. Well, church planters' wives have lots of also added pressures as their husbands are not only leading a church. But they're trying to trying to get it off the ground. Mm-hmm. Sometimes um, mm-hmm. different than a different than an established church that's operating in so many ways and it's got systems set up and all that stuff. So what would you what would you say to the church planner's wife to how they could um, maybe encourage their husband and maybe how would you just encourage them as as this church is trying to get off the ground?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good question, Jeff. Uh, Ray has planted two churches, one early on in our ministry and one uh, later on in our ministry. And both times I was really scared. And the thing that scared me the most was the money. I was worried that we wouldn't yeah. have enough. We had four kids uh four young kids when we planted our first church. And I was thinking, you know, how, oh, my children will starve to death. We won't have enough money to feed them. So ridiculous, but it is scary because you don't have a uh, anything to fall back on. You don't have a guaranteed income. You don't have any of that. It's kind of on your husband's shoulders. To establish it, to bring people in who will see this ministry, feel that it's worthy of the Lord's money, and give to it. So I would ask our young church planters' wives to bring those fears to the Lord. I had to burrow right on down to my bottom fear, and that was... You know, what if it didn't work and we didn't have any money? And I had to ask myself, well, so what? What if we don't? Then I go out and teach school and it won't be the end of the world. Is it worth all this emotional and spiritual right. energy? We each only have so much. We have a limited amount of emotional energy. We have a limited amount of spiritual energy. Why waste it on that worry, that anxiety? So I would encourage our our young pastor's wives to check their fears, give them to the Lord, ask Him for help. And I would encourage them to think about all the positives of planting a church. I mean, you have no bad habits established from past church leaders that you have to overcome. You have no traditions from church leaders that previous church leaders that maybe you don't believe in or aren't biblical or don't fit your ministry. You're able to, in a sense, shape the foundation of the church yourself. That's a wonderful thing. Praise the Lord for that. Yeah. Amen. That it's really a gift to be able to do that. Um, You will be able To get to know people as they come. The church will be smaller at the beginning. You'll you'll be able to relate more to the people than you will in a larger church. There are wonderful pluses to planting. You'll you also will be able to be part of a church planting network. Acts twenty-nine is fabulous. They saved raising my bacon and skin and neck and everything else you want to put into that idiom (laughs) whoa we're so grateful for acts 29 they really helped us when we were planting a manual Um, so to be part of a church planting network is wonderful again use it jeff i'm so glad for this new initiative and i i just want to tag on to your encouragement there to these young church planter wives enter in do not ignore it it will be to your own peril if you do.
0: Yeah. Well, Janie, as, as we get to to the end of, of the show, I like to close out with these last three questions. First, number one, great book you've read recently that you'd want to recommend to others.
1: Okay. I'm going to say two really fast because this Do is it. a speed round. I just <laughs> finished The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. I've read it before, but um, years ago, and I wanted to read it again. One of my favorite characters in all literature is in there, Sarah Smith. And oh my goodness, uh, Lewis says the abundance of life she has in Christ flows from her over into everything. Mm. And it's just a beautiful picture of what I want to be as a woman, a life giver. The Great Divorce, fabulous book. I loved it. Of course, How Can You Lose with C.S. Lewis.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: The book I'm reading right now is not by a Christian author, it's by a man named Cal Newport. Oh, yeah. You know him? Yeah. It's called Deep Work. Have you read that?
0: I have. Yeah, it's incredible.
1: Oh, I haven't finished it yet. But someone sent it to me. I think it was a hint. And I'm, <laughs> I'm grateful for that hint here in my 70s. I want to be able to work deep. I don't want my work to be shallow. And this book is helping me. I recommend it.
0: Yeah, I love that. It it, it is a wonderful book. And so listeners, you can find here in your show notes, the links to also to Jannie's book and also links to Deep Work and other resources we've mentioned here on the show. All you got to do is swipe up there in your podcast and you'll see links to to all these things there in the show notes. Okay. Second question, your go-to order in a coffee shop.
1: Oh, Jeff, I don't drink coffee. Isn't that awful? I'm not a coffee drinker, so I always get
0: tea. I'll I'll
1: usually get a a cup of green tea.
0: What about when there's like holiday drinks? Do you ever splurge for those like a peppermint mocha latte or or it's just always tea?
1: Oh, I'm so boring. (laughs) It's always tea. And this is why I'm afraid of the caffeine. I'm kind of a chatterbox already, as you might be able to tell. And... um, Ray is more of an introvert. I'm more of an extrovert, and I'm just afraid of what all that caffeine and sugar would do to me
0: yeah i Ray loves very strong coffee when when he said he was making strong coffee at ale's house last last year, <laughs> I thought, okay, I'll be fine. I felt more like a more like a man, more like a hunter <laughs> after that after that coffee okay, final question, and I think the best question uh, your favorite verse, and why
1: oh. It's become my life verse, Jeff, Psalm 62.1. I memorized it years ago in the NIV. Don't tell our son, Dane, who's helped (laughs) with the ESV. But in the NIV, Psalm 62.1 says, my soul finds rest in God alone. And the reason it's my go-to verse is because I struggle with a restless soul. When God spoke that verse over me and gave it to me in a special way, I was struggling because we were living overseas. Ray was working on his doctorate and um, our investor had gone belly up. We had no money. I would just given birth to our fourth child and Ray couldn't work because he was on a student visa. So we didn't know what we were gonna do. We didn't have enough money to fly home. I I was upset, hurt, scared. And the Lord seemed to say to me, where are you going to go for your soul rest? You can't go to your bank account. You can't go to your investor. Yeah. You can't go home to mom. You don't have money for air tickets for six of you. How about me, Jannie? How about coming to me and let me give rest to your soul. Let me, as Zephaniah 317 says, I love that too. Let yeah. me quiet you by my love. Yeah. So that is my favorite verse, Psalm 62.1, my soul finds rest in God alone. And whenever my soul, I find it churning up, Jeff, I, I say, okay, my soul is trying to find rest in, oh, how well I'll do on Jeff's podcast, or, oh, if the company will like the dinners I'm fixing for them this weekend, or, oh, if my book will sell, or wherever my soul is going to find rest. The Lord seems to say, oh, just quiet it down. Come find your rest in me. Mm. I'll restore your soul. Just find your rest in me alone, and you'll be fine. Psalm sixty two one.
0: Beautiful. Thank you for the counseling session oh. <laughs> that uh, I I needed. It happened in another podcast I recorded with with Russell Moore. He he gave me a little counseling session in his part two. So I'm grateful. I'm really grateful for you and and for Ray. And everything you've meant to, to me and Allie and, and to our network. So thank you so much for writing this book and, and for coming on the show today.
1: Oh, it's been such a pleasure, Jeff. Thank you very much for having me.
0: And listeners, if you're enjoying the X29 podcast, we'd love to invite you to leave a review there in your podcast app. All you have to do is swipe up there and click those stars. You could even type up a little message and leave a little review. But we'd also love to ask you to share this episode on your social media email it to your pastor friends, your deacons, your people in your small group, family members, and let them hear about what God is doing in the work of church planting through Acts 29. And remember, brothers and sisters, let's keep planting churches to the ends of the earth.